This is the Switch Everything Podcast, and I'm your host, Josh Linky. I'm on Twitter at TheZagaholic. I'm joined by my co-host, Elliot Braxick, on Twitter at ElliotB21. This podcast is dedicated to all things college basketball, from the mid-majors to the blue bloods and everything in between. Join us weekly as we offer our take on the sport we love, discuss the history of the game, and occasionally chop it up with players and coaches from across the nation. Let's go! Welcome to the Switch Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Linky, and today I'm joined by the Lunardi Stan himself, Elliot Braxick. How are you doing today, Elliot? Man, I might just quit after the third episode. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> man, I, I tell you what, I, I was I was really disappointed when um, I guess I, I've learned that we can't seem to do podcasts right before Kentucky plays a, against Vanderbilt. Bad news bears for him, but um but man, it's Selection Sunday. I, I, we yeah. just got to see the whole bracket. I'm super excited, and I'm amped to talk about this. Yeah, it's man, it's this this day is like a holiday for me. Um, every year, I look forward to this. I get butterflies in my stomach just thinking about all the possibilities. There was there was a little drama leading into it. We were Gonzaga fans were a little nervous about whether we were going to end up in the west uh the midwest or even possibly the south uh just based on projections that had been made in bracketology over the last couple days a lot of that comes from the fact that like you know arizona and ucla uh battled in the pac-12 tournament and there was there was talk that if ucla had won that game they would have been a one seed and by losing they were back down to a two with arizona also being a two so it just kind of complicated things a little bit. I think some people were concerned Kansas was going to get the number one overall seed, which would have pushed them to a one out in the Midwest in Kansas City. But they actually got shipped, uh, you know, out of that bracket into the West Regional with Gonzaga. They're going to be playing in Vegas. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting to look at. I, I think also kind of just, you know, my initial, my instant reaction to this whole thing is – Gonzaga got about as good of a road as we could have possibly asked for. We're opening it off. Our first pod is in Denver. Our second pod would be in Vegas. And, you know, while I know that Kansas is going to be a formidable matchup in that lead eight game, if we get that far, um, I can't complain about playing Grand Canyon, TCU, and uh, UCLA in that first, you know, that, that first grouping uh, to get to the Elite Eight. What were your initial reactions to what you saw for Kentucky in the bracket? Right when they announced the East and that what was left, I was sitting there doing math in my head and I thought they haven't named Providence yet. We're going to be playing Providence in the first round. Yeah. Um, that's our first round game. Former, former Wildcat Bryce Hopkins is on the, uh, you know, star for Providence. It's going to be one of the biggest talking points all week. Um, I like their matchup against Kansas state. Um simply because I think that um, the way that they play, uh, Kentucky can slow them down. Um, mm -hmm. They weren't able to do it as successfully with Vanderbilt because of the guard lineup they had, but I think that the way that Kansas State plays, um, they do have Keontae Johnson in there, the former Gator, um, and, and he slows it down a little bit, and not necessarily you know like a big, but he slows their game down. So I think Oscar can still 
to can k- still get his. And then Marquette was the two seed that I least wanted to see uh, because of their guard play. Uh, so, you know, I, I predicted a sweet 16 run for the Wildcats and I'm going to stick with that right now. And, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can play some spoilers for later, but I think that right now that's about as max as they can go. Yeah. You know, my initial reaction was I liked the draw for Providence in round one for y'all. Uh, I know that Hopkins is kind of like, a you know, that kind of looms as an interesting matchup because he used to play there. Um, but you know, I think Kansas state is a little overrated as a three seed, in my opinion. I, I, I don't think they necessarily had the resume for that, despite what some people have been saying. Um, so, you know, Kentucky does have a pretty favorable potential, uh, run to the sweet 16 there. And, and on the uh, other side of that, I mean, I I think a lot of people are going to be picking Marquette to, to beat, uh, Vermont and then either Michigan state or USC, but I actually like USC's guard play i like what they what they've got uh in the backcourt you know boogie ellis uh drew peterson some of those guys i i think that uh usc presents an interesting matchup problem for both michigan state and marquette um that being said it's it's going to be an uphill battle for them to get to the sweet 16 but if they were to potentially meet kentucky in the sweet 16 that might look like you know a pretty uh pretty interesting matchup as well um have you in your in your opinion, just based on the way that the bracket dropped in the East Regional, what are your upset picks um, out of that grouping? Do you, who who do you see potentially playing Cinderella out of that group, or maybe the dark horse sleeper team to potentially make a deep run? Um, I would honestly say that you could see something come out of Providence, which you know really sucks to have to admit. Um, the way that they play is better suited for Big East style basketball. Uh, but in all fairness, you know, it just depends on who gets hot. Uh, so I, I can't knock them for it. Um, we were discussing before when the, when the, as the bracket was dropping live, uh, Oral Roberts and Duke is a good matchup as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly like seeing FAU in there. Uh, I think that Purdue is definitely not safe uh, at the top. You know, I think that they, Especially today, the way that they played against Penn State, I really thought Penn State was going to gut it out at the end there. Um, I think that you might be looking at the first one seed to drop. I think that Purdue might be that one this year. Um, And I don't know if they make it out of the first weekend. That's that's Uh, an interesting pick, too, because I actually I have the opposite upset there. I think Memphis is peaking at the right time. I think Memphis has one of the best point guards in America and Kendrick Davis. Um, Mm -hmm. And Penny had Memphis play Gonzaga super tough last year as an eight seed uh, Mm -hmm. in that second round matchup as well. So this is the second straight year where they kind of have more talent, more, you know, going on there at that eight seed spot. Um, And with that experience from last year, maybe that kind of helps push them forward uh, this year and, and, you know, potentially helps them get to the the sweet 16. Um, You know, I I don't know. It's, it's an interesting way the bracket broke down. I do like, like we talked about the Oral Roberts Duke matchup, Max A. Smith's, has been there and done that two years ago when he had Oral Roberts uh, play deep into the tournament. 
I think Oral Roberts has the the talent to potentially get past Duke. It's going to be an uphill battle, though, because Duke is also peaking at the right time. They looked very formidable in the ACC tournament. Um, you know, a lot of their young players are finally starting to kind of like turn the corner and you're seeing where why they were ranked so high in the preseason rankings. I know Duke's kind of like a bugaboo for a lot of Kentucky fans, but what is your thoughts on where Duke is at at this point in the season? You can't spell Duke without UK. So (laughs) to talk about Kentucky, like you asked me to, no, I, I, you know, Duke peaked at the right time. The ACC, as we discussed, has been, you know, historically weak. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't say historically weak, but at least in my opinion has looked awful this year. Um, I think that last two games that Duke played, Miami was a little bit of a gut. It was a, it was a little bit of a I won't say a rock fight, but it was a back and forth kind of game before before they pulled away at the end. I, I'm hard pressed to pick them deep. Um, I know that Tennessee will disappoint me, um, and it'll disappoint anybody that picks them. Um, this isn't just pure Kentucky hate of Tennessee because I have more hate for them than Duke, but I really don't see them getting past Louisiana. I mean. It, they they lost they lost the guy Ziegler with the torn ACL. Um, they have looked like they're just in a tailspin this, these last couple of weeks, and you know picking up at least a win in the SEC tournament or no they didn't even pick up a win they lost to Missouri. You know they 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 just haven't looked you know since since they beat Alabama they haven't looked good in my opinion. Um, and I think that what's going to end up happening is you're going to see it potentially a 13-12 game right there. The 5-12 matchup is always the one that people have to eyeball. But I, I truly think that even if it wasn't Duke there, if it was, you know, another team, uh, say, uh, who's the five, San Diego State, if they were there, uh, maybe even Miami, because I don't think Miami's going to, you know, they, they they were regular season good, but I don't think they're going to show out in the postseason. Uh, and then, and then the, you know, the, the fighting Gales out of St. Mary's, uh, I don't know if they would – you know, be able to, to put Oral Roberts away. So I, I think you could see a 12, 13 there, but you know, watch this bracket will be all chalk the whole way. Uh, now that I say that. So. Yeah. You know, I usually, I think they can, I think they max out sweet 16 elite eight. I think that depending on, um, you know, they, they'll beat Purdue if they play, if Duke plays them, but I don't think they'll get past uh, the bottom side. I don't, I don't see them representing the East in the final. My initial reaction, this is probably going to shock you a little bit, but I have Duke in the final four in my really? current pick. Yeah, I mean, this is this is subject to change because I, yeah. I kind of go back and forth on my bracket for a couple of days before our final. And I only do one bracket every year now. I've decided I'm no longer doing the multi-bracket thing. I haven't done it for like three years, I think. So, yeah, I, I – well, yeah, and part part of the problem why my brackets always suck is I always pick Gonzaga to win the national championship, uh, just off the top. So you know, yeah. we'll see what happens this year if I if I make that same prediction. I will say that Dick Vitale picked Gonzaga to make the Final Four. Uh, Clark Kellogg picked Gonzaga to win the national title, and Dan Gavitt also picked them to win the national title. So, you know, getting the love. Yeah, a little bit. I think I think part of it is that people really like the. Uh, you know, the three seed underdog in some ways, like everybody views them as being overrated this year for whatever reason. And, you know, there's kind of like this chip on the collective shoulder of Gonzaga. And, um, you know, some some people view that as probably 
uh, being that like extra little piece that they've been missing the last few years and that might help propel them to a deep run and winning it all potentially. I think that's overstated a bit. I think a lot of it just really comes down to matchups and, and executing day by day. Like it is, people don't realize how incredibly hard it is for teams, no matter how talented you are to execute at a high level for six consecutive games against the best teams in the nation. You know, this is, this is not this. This is a crapshoot. That's what that's what yeah. March Madness is. Just for, in my opinion, just looking at the East bracket, kind of where we're at, uh, the Cinderella I could see there. Obviously, we talked about Oral Roberts. Um, I think USC is kind of the sleeper dark horse for me to potentially get to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, it would be a really difficult challenge for them to do that. Uh, a lot of talent to come through to get to that point. Uh, so yeah, I think relative chalk there but i think duke is probably i guess you would i would say my my dark horse pick for the final four because they're they're below a four seed uh so making that kind of a run would be a a daunting challenge for them as well i do agree though that i i don't see purdue getting out of the first weekend when i saw ucla beat uh when i was watching the game last night and i saw or i'm sorry arizona beat ucla i knew that that would you know probably hurt Gonzaga because I thought the way they were setting up, they could have snuck the last two. And I thought that they might've bumped the the Zags up to that level. And I Mm -hmm. thought you could have potentially seen, I don't know if they would have replaced UCLA is the thing. I don't know that the the way the bracket would have set up, it would have, it would have been interesting, but the one I'm most interested about the way it's going to play out is the South. Cause I think that, you don't have one dominant team. And I understand that Alabama has been, you know, the number one overall seed and they've been pretty good all season, but I just don't see them as far and away like the, the sure final four team. And I know that it's, it's kind of crappy of me to say, but sec bias works opposite here. Um, I mean, as a fan of, you know, Kentucky, I've seen over the years, Go back and look at the last, the two thousand since since Calipari got there in two thousand ten. How many SEC teams have made the Final Four, and how many SEC teams that were higher ranked teams made the Final Four? Um, you know, Auburn the year that they beat Kentucky to get there uh, had had Kentucky's number that yeah. year already anyway. But I don't. It, there's always a team that slips up. There's always a team that you know, just really shits the bed. And I think that Alabama is going to do that this year. I don't know where it's going to be. We had spoke, we talked about in the last podcast about, you know, do you exceed expectations or failure expectations? And, you know, theoretically the, all the number one should make the final four. That's not, you know, that's, that's hitting your expectations. That's not failing, but or falling below it. I don't see them hitting that expectation. I think that that side of that bracket, that, that South and that East, you're going to see Purdue and Alabama fans, awfully quiet in that third weekend. Now, that being said, you know, I want to ask you right away who you think could be the Cinderella out of this region. This could have been Kentucky's spot if they had, you know, had their stuff together all season, you know, that, that region. Uh, As far as the Cinderella is concerned, I mean, I don't see them going deep, but I do potentially see them having a first round upset and that would be Furman over Virginia believe it or not. Um, I think the Paladins are, uh, they, they, they were knocking on the door last year and Chattanooga beat them like on a final buzzer shot. Um, 
in their tournament. And this year, I think they just have the experience, they have the coaching, they have everything they need to potentially knock out Virginia. I don't think any of the ACC teams are particularly strong, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be Duke. Um, just because they're peaking at the right time and they have a lot of young talent that you know could lead them there um that being said i guess the dark horse sleeper pick i have would be creighton could potentially be a sweet 16 team they're not an incredibly deep team they really only run about six deep um but their their starting five is one of the better starting fives talent wise in the nation i think they have nba talent there um, I love the guard play of Ryan Nemhard when he's on. Um, and, you know, uh, Kalkbrenner is a superior big to a lot of teams in the country. Like not a lot of teams have that front court play available to them. Uh, so, you know, another thing too, like we talked about before Baylor this year, I just don't see the defensive energy that to potentially stop, uh, some of the, the teams from being able to, to outplay them on a night and night out basis. Um, so Creighton Baylor in round in the, the round of 32 would be really interesting to me. I think that Arizona is going to be really tough to keep out of the final four on that uh, side. Um, if they have to play Alabama, obviously Bama can on any given night, you know, play about as good as anybody in the country, but they've also dropped some eggs this year. You know, I'm reminded of their game against Oklahoma where they lost by, I think it was like 20 some odd points. I'm reminded of their game against Gonzaga where we dropped a hundred on them. So, you know, I'm not saying Alabama is going to lose early, but in their home gym. yeah, but uh, you know, it's possible. Um, you know, San Diego state is a team that I could see going to the sweet 16 or losing in the first round of Charleston because Charleston is yeah. really actually super talented. Um, and it could be a Charleston Furman game in that round of 32, yeah. which would be a lot of I fun actually. Yeah, I think San Diego State definitely caught caught uh, the short end of the stick with Charleston as well. When yeah. when I uh, I looked them up because I didn't have a whole lot of notes on Charleston, I was surprised that they had as good of a season as they did. I think that um, I I think that that could also be one of those really good games to see. The thing that kind of bums me out though is it's it's two you know mid major teams effectively playing each yeah. other and, and and you know potentially bounce bouncing one or the other when you want mid to see on those mid violence. Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost like, um, you know, you, you don't want to see that until at least the second round. Um, I I would agree with you though. I I don't. I I didn't really love the South bracket at all. I thought if anything, it seems kind of chalky looking at it. Yeah. If <laughs> anything, know. I was like, if Kentucky was there, I mean, I would be nervous of Baylor. Yeah. But I don't. The two games I've seen of Arizona so I'm playing Arizona State when they lost to the buzzer beater. Uh -huh. And um and then I saw the the championship game last night between them and UCLA. That was a great game, by the way. I it was. It really was. I was surprised that um I, I just had it in my mind it was gonna be a higher scoring game and seeing yeah. like a 62-61 final. I'm like, I'm watching well, the SEC. Yeah, USC or I'm sorry, UCLA is the second best defensive team in the nation. And while they did lose Jalen Clark for the season, and Adam right. Bona uh, had that he dislocation the other day, yeah. um, you know they still have like four or five guys that are as good of lockdown defenders as they, as exist in college basketball. So I, I think Mick Cronin is just a really good defensive coach too. He he knows how to set his guys up for success with their schemes. 
Yeah, you mean you mean a Dembona who had like who had a pop tart on Thursday and then he walked four steps to the left and the one to the right. I, I felt like Bill Walton was giving me his life story <laughs> uh, in this game, and then I caught one other game. Uh, I can't remember who they were playing. It might have been Cal. Or no, they were playing Oregon because they were playing at that godforsaken arena. But oh, yeah. Bill Walton, like it, the way he talks about certain people, it's really great having a mind like his go after you know be a commentator. But golly, man, like someone should have It's a love-hate relationship with Bill, for sure. It is. And it, it's like it, we get him and then Jimmy Dykes sometimes as Kentucky fans in games. And I'm just like, what have we done to forsake? I, I will I will say this, though. Bill Walton is immeasurably more interesting of a man and a person than Jimmy Dykes has ever been. No, oh, no offense, Jimmy, but Bill is just so much cooler than you are. <laughs> hands down agree. I, I think that, that Jimmy is – it's almost like he reminds me of like two people that I know in my life on a regular basis. Like I've run into on a regular basis. Like they, they could be Jimmy Dykes. Like the, his personality doesn't stand out. Like yeah. it's not a. He's got uh, that good old boy shtick. Exactly. Really like he, he could sit down at the, he could sit down at the breakfast table right now or, you know, in the morning and you'd, you'd have breakfast and he's like, Hey, what's going on? If Bill Walton yeah. walked into my house, I'd be like, first of all, you're a giant. Second of all, the what's stories like, that man could tell. Yeah, what's it like to trip on live television? Uh, you know, in in a, in a packed basketball arena. Like, tell me your life story. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that he has a lot of those dramatic kind of individual fl- uh, flares. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, just listening to him talk about 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 UCLA last night, though, just I get it. It's the it's the conference of champions, but it's about to they're about to be part of the Big Ten next year. Like, you know, you're you're going to see your conference rip apart. What are you going to call it then? You know, is he going to be the, the conference of leftovers? But, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think Arizona is good, but I don't, like I said, as a Kentucky fan, I wasn't necessarily worried about him. Right. It's been over there. I, I still like Baylor, man. I know. And, and it's not, a, it's not a Cinderella because they're, you know, they're a three seed, but I like Baylor coming out. I haven't filled a bracket out yet, but I could totally see myself putting them is Missouri. Regardless of how I feel about their guard or uh, their their defense their guard yeah. play is such with adam flagler and keontae george yep. that um they're going to give teams fits uh it's just again it comes down to are they going to be able to outscore everybody I, they're the number two offense in the nation so it's possible right um but you wonder like oh, one of those nights when when the shots aren't falling is it going to spell their demise? I don't know. Gonzaga has a lot of the same question marks. So, you know, knock on wood, it's, it could happen yeah. to any of those great offensive teams. I think that, and you know, it's funny because UCSB is a pretty decent matchup on paper. Oh, yeah. For Baylor. I, I think that, you know, you might not even see them make out, make it out of that first round. But I will say Missouri, if they're able to get it going like they did against Kentucky and like they did kind of towards the end of the season when they made their little run, I definitely think that they could be a problem. I believe that I think his name is Kobe Brown could be that kid that like has himself a tournament moment, you know, has him one of those like 35 point kind of games that everybody talks about uh, after that first night. Utah State's defense is I I wouldn't say that they're I wouldn't say that they're not capable or serviceable but i just think that the pace that missouri plays at yeah um is a good mismatch and i think that missouri could if you know if if, if they're clicking and they're hitting shots um you know they, they've got faith in that they got faith in the team now they just extended their coach like 
they could potentially make a, a nice little run. I, 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 but like I said at the beginning, I, I view this too much as chalk. So and bring up the good old Midwest with Houston falling today and yeah. still get that number one seed. Do you think that you know having having they lost they lost a player last night? Yeah. yeah. It, and do you think that's going to be uh, more of a, a death nail for them, or do you think that that's going to be if Marcus Sasser is, is not good to go for the tournament? Uh, then absolutely it could be a death nail for them because Marcus Sasser is one of the best guards in America. Um, and, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say he's like a top five, top seven player in America for me. So well, I know, agree. He, I he's agree. one of those guards that like, if he gets the opportunity to go off in March, then Houston could win the national title going away. But you know, if he's hurt and he's out uh, or they just run into some issues with just him, not being 100% throughout the tournament, then each one of every matchup there could be a problem. It could be, you know, an issue for them. So the Cinderella in this bracket is Kent State. The Golden Flashes okay. are a very talented team. They played a super tough schedule and they played a lot of the teams in the non-conference that the that they end up losing to pretty tough. You know, Gonzaga, I believe the game we had against them, we only beat them by like seven or eight. Uh, I remember seeing that game too, thinking like, what's going on? Are they sleepwalking through this or what? No, Kent State's just formidable, man. I mean, it's a top 75 team in the nation. Um, you know, they, they, uh, Sincere Carey is one of the most underrated players in America. And I knew that coming into that game. I, I tweeted about it. I told everybody, like, you should circle this game on the calendar. Like, Kent yeah. State's not going to be a cakewalk for Gonzaga and they're not going to be a cakewalk for anybody they play. You know, they, they played Houston to five points when they played them. Yeah, they, uh, they lost to Charleston by two. That you know, again, Charleston's actually a really good team this year that a lot of people don't know about. And then in conference, they only lost three times. You know, and and in their in their tournament, they they blew the doors off Toledo. Uh, Akron gave them a little run, but Akron's a quality team this year too. So. I think the Golden Flashes have enough that they can give Indiana a lot of trouble. Yeah, they Indiana's looked a little sluggish the last couple of games. I don't follow them diligently, but they I've noticed that the last few that they played in that they 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 haven't played with the same kind of intensity in spark like they did earlier in the season. You know, the fighting Mike Woodsons could very easily, you know, dispatch get get through their first round game without any kind of problem. But I, I don't know if they are used to playing those mid-major teams with the plucky attitude. Big 10 is a much different style of conference than the other five power conferences. We've talked about it a couple of times as well about how they're usually a lot bigger and slower. Um, you know, you're, you're working more fundamental style basketball uh, and those fast guards can get, can really, you know, start making those edges bend a little bit and make it a lot, a lot tougher especially when it's a one game elimination tournament, you know? Yeah. I think the um, two of the most wild things I've seen in the whole bracket are on this side. Uh, first of all, Houston could play Auburn in Alabama. Yeah. In Birmingham, man, I saw that. And I was like, who in their right mind thought that was the move? Right. Like that's just doing them dirty. Now, in all fairness, there's a really good chance Auburn's not going to be there because Auburn has also kind of come up short in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, getting blasted by Kentucky uh, and then just not really looking um, up to snuff in the SEC tournament. You know, they, they had, they had both them and Arkansas. Those are two teams that I thought had, they could have done themselves a lot of favors this weekend and yeah. neither one of them did. I mean, you know, as a Kentucky fan, it, it's great for me because 
that means that you know they don't potentially leapfrog us or move up even further. But there were a lot of things about this side of the bracket that threw me off. Um, yeah, I, I agree. The Midwest. I think that this one, this one's going to be. This won't be chalk at all. Yeah, you're going to be. You're going to be. You're going to see an upset pick out of here. I, I would almost guarantee you. You know, so I, I see at least four or even five un, like under seeds uh, on this bracket. Yeah. Number one, Texas A&M being a seven seed was that was insane. insane. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like how, why they ended up there. I I could see Texas A&M making it all the way to the Elite Eight. Like that's that's how good you know style of defense they, they play. I mean, they yeah. could. I I think that Colgate was underseeded as a 15 maybe by like one or two seeds like they should have they could have easily been a 13 or a 14 i think really? even nku as a 16 was kind of weird to me like i i'm not saying it's like the yeah. biggest underseed in the history of mankind but i do think that they were probably closer to a 15 than they were a 16 and then it, it, well, i didn't know that until i looked them up because i did i i i figured they would play kentucky like i thought that would kind of be their their first round matchup I thought Kentucky was going to kind of uh, raise themselves up a little bit to like a, you know, like a five or a four and potentially play them at a 13. Yeah. I, and I know that's pretty high for Northern Kentucky, but it would have made sense. They, right. they didn't have a bad season and they played, um, you know, they won going away. So it yeah. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they were a Cinderella, you know, like a, a team that got hot in the last second and won their tournament out of nowhere. They, they they've had a great season. And they're nothing to sneeze at. So, you yeah, know, I, I think another potential Cinderella pick would be uh, Kennesaw State. They have actually a pretty talented squad overall. Uh, you know, that conference isn't the best uh, by any means, the ASUN, but, um, you know, they played Florida tough earlier this year. They went to th within three points of VCU and they, you know, rolled through their conference with a, a pretty good clip um, going 15 and three and then beating Liberty at the end of the game in their conference championship game. I think Xavier is probably going to win that game. I'm not, again, I'm not predicting the upset, but it's a, it's a potential matchup to look at. It's something to keep an eye on. Kennesaw state is also one of the top 53 point shooting teams in America. So like we all know the three point shot is an equalizer there. Um, so it's, it's, it's a matchup to keep an eye on, on this end of the bracket. Like you said, there it's, it's probably the least chalky looking side of it all. Drake could beat Miami. You know, like yeah, uh, Pitt, Pitt or Mississippi State could be Iowa State. Uh, like each one of these matchups is intriguing to me. And it's definitely the one of the, the sides that I'm going to be watching the closest as we get uh, into those first two games on Thursday and Friday next week. Now, I think I, I definitely agree with you on that point. Uh, I was just looking through Northern Kentucky's schedule because I was trying to see like what their uh, last couple of games were like. They lose by like one point. Yeah. So they're, they're in games. Um, you know, the, the same thing can be said about teams like Mississippi state, Mississippi state plays really good defense. They like to slow the game down. They're the kind of team that if you're a, a running gun kind of style and you're not used to it, it's so abrasive that it could, if you're having a bad shooting night, they could just wear you down and beat you in the second half. Um, I think that Xavier is definitely a team that I, you know, I, I like Penn state, you know, about being hot at the right time. I mean, they yeah. were played, they played the, they played Purdue to one to one shot you know and 
and you've got a potential, you know, former Big 12 matchup between A&M and Texas, there's no way that wasn't on purpose. You know, that there's there's a lot of talk right now about, you know, and we we'd mentioned before about, you know, what Texas was able to do with the with the you know, with Chris Beard being let go in the middle of the season. You might see you know, if if they're able to um, you know, play the way they should, I don't see why Texas doesn't represent the, the Midwest coming out. Um, easy to pick a two seed, but you know, really honestly, when I'm looking at everyone else, I don't, no one leaps off the page at me. No one makes me think to myself, this is destined to be an upset. You know, you might have a couple of, uh, like, you know, Penn State might beat A&M. So you have a 10, seven upset. Uh, you know, you could get some of the higher seeded ones as well, but I don't see like that first game that first. So like the Thursday and Friday games will be upsets. But that second, like the in the weekend, it'll all it'll all kind of work out to a chalk kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I don't think that there is one perfect region, but this is definitely going to be the region that's probably going to be the most. I would say this is the region that's going to be the most fun. You'll yeah. you'll get the most updates, and you'll be watching you'll be watching the Zags, you know, just dump it on uh, GCU Grand Canyon. And all of a sudden you'll get a break in like Iowa state and Mississippi state now in their second overtime. Like yeah. I, I I'm telling you right now, there are going to be games that you don't want to see bump in to interrupt that are going to get bumped in to interrupt because you got to see Drake hit a, hit a shot to pull the game within one with a minute left against Miami, Florida. Like I, I just see that being the case. Yeah. One, one but, thing uh, to keep an eye on with Penn state too is, um, the head coach there, Micah Shrewsbury, is uh, rumored to be the next in line at Georgetown already, um, that that's kind of been in the works for the last several weeks. And, um, you know, is he dialed in on this? Um, I, th- I think they are. I'm not saying that there's going to be like right. a lapse in judgment or anything, but we'll, we'll see. It's kind of an interesting storyline. You know, and I do kind of want to circle back uh, to the West bracket because yeah. we did we did talk and zag a little bit, but uh, I want to look at some of the other matchups here. Um, Are you surprised St. Mary's is in there? No, I'm not surprised they're in there. I think they got shafted with their with their with bracket the a little bit, yeah. Oh, uh, which yeah. you know, sorry for them, but uh, you know, yeah. such is life. St. <laughs> um, Mary's and VCU. VCU is probably, in my opinion, they're one of the more dangerous 12 seeds. Uh, VC, VCU is a top 20 uh, defensive team in the country. And, yeah. um, you know, Ace Baldwin Jr. is one of the more exciting players um, out of the A-10 this year. I like Jaden Nunn a lot, uh, Jalen Deloach, uh, you know, Brandon Johns. Like they they, they kind of trot out just like a, a group of guys that all have similar uh, size and length uh, that can give a lot of teams a lot of trouble. You know that that side of the bracket, uh, St. Mary's ending up in in New York, Albany, New York. You, you can't get a direct yeah. flight to that city, by the way. Oh. Uh, so that that's a just a difficult travel arrangement for them. Um, and then if they get through VCU, yeah. then they have to probably play UConn in the next round, who is probably underseeded a little bit as well, and has a ton of talent. I mean, at one point in the season, we were all talking about UConn being the best team in the nation. Like that's how yeah. they look. So, yeah. you know, is, is UConn perfect? No, but they, UConn's a team that could go and beat Kansas, like in the sweet 16. Like I would not be shocked at all if they did that, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a really tough matchup for St. Mary's. I'm really intrigued by that first round matchup between UConn and Iona. Um, obviously yeah. Rick Patino coaches at Iona. They're playing really tough right now. 
Uh, they kind of ran through their conference tournament and played some really quality defense along the way. Um, they are your prototypical Patino style coach team. And, um, you know, the it's it's hard for him to get all the talent he wants at a school like Iona. But, um, you know, for him to be able to personify his, you know, what his his tenacity, his toughness into his team at that level, it just really shows the coaching talent that Patino has, even at the age he's at now. Uh, obviously, he's rumored to potentially be the number one candidate at St. John's and Texas Tech is also super interested in him as well. So, uh, you know, we'll see where he's at next year. Maybe he's back at Iona. Maybe he truly wants to stick it out, you know, in, in that league. We'll see. Another matchup I'm really intrigued by here too is uh, the the potential of TCU in Arizona State or TCU in Nevada. Uh, mm-hmm. TCU just lost one of their best players, Eddie Lampkin Jr. He left the team. Um, is that cloud hanging over TCU's head heading into this tournament? I do love Mike Miles Jr. I think he's one of the better guards in the country. Um, he's not necessarily the greatest shooting guard in the world, which can sometimes come back to bite them. I saw Jeff Borzello actually just said that he thinks TCU is going to beat Gonzaga in the second round. So we'll see. That's an interesting pick. Jeff says a lot of stuff that's interesting. And then Northwestern making an, uh, an appearance in the NCAA tournament. I believe this is – is this their second tournament in their program history? I yeah, because Gonzaga third. played them in 2017. Um, that, that famous that crying kid. Crying? Yeah, yeah, the crying kid uh, gif that has been proliferating for the last several years online. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I do think we got a little little home cooking from the refs there on that one. But uh, but yeah, Northwestern's an interesting team to watch. But I actually like Boise State a little bit in that matchup. Uh, Leon Rice, the head coach at Boise State, is from the Mark Few coaching tree. Um, his son, Max Rice, is a big-time player for them. I, I think that uh, Boise State has, has had some decent wins this year in the Mountain West. They, I believe they beat San Diego State at least once. Leon Rice has done a really terrific job with Boise State over the last couple of years. Um, you know, they're, I think they're top 15 in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency, one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Um, you know, really solid three point defense, perimeter defense. Um, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on that side of the bracket? So, for the bottom half, I think that can, I, I feel like the Zags will have enough to get out. I mm-hmm. think that UCLA will pose obviously the biggest threat. Um, as far as the underseeded teams, um, I would like to see Arizona State beat Nevada. I know you'd mentioned before that you were high on the Wolfpack, but I would like to see them get a dub and then potentially knock out TCU. I found myself rooting for them against Arizona when they when they won the other day. Uh, I had no vested interest in the game at all. Like I, I didn't care about either team. If anything, you think I cheer for Arizona because they're the Wildcats, but just started cheering for Arizona. I like the way they played. Uh, the fighting Bobby Hurley's will, you know, let you down or, you know, give you a memorable run. It's just, it's, it's a uh, Jekyll and Hyde kind of scenario for them. You've got two of the best teams in the tournament, UCLA in in Gonzaga. I think that on that upper half of the bracket, they gave Kansas some help, uh, because I don't think that Arkansas is good enough to no. what they've shown me recently is they're not good enough to, to even get out of the, out of the first round, but they also have the ability, if they get out of the first round, they could potentially beat Kansas. Yeah. Unfortunately for them, more often than not, they're on the wrong side of streaky. I think that St. Mary's having to play VCU first and then potentially UConn or Iona, those are going to be two of the tougher games just to play for anybody, I think. But they didn't get any favors of UConn. And if again, we've said it, I've said it before, 
there's no shot that an Iona team fresh off of beating a, a team like UConn uh, is going into that round of 32 game, not with, you know, not having Patino in their ears. Like you, you could get this, you could get into sweet 16. It, this is the, I saw a picture today. It's the 40th anniversary of him getting into the first tournament with Boston, hmm. his first NCAA tournament this year. Um, I saw him taking, he was taking pictures of his guys while they were cutting the nets down, like shows that, you know, it shows that he still cares about the game. He still has uh, the the vigor and vitality that I'm sure a lot of people in Syracuse wish that uh, their coach had had. But yeah. I, you know, that top half of the bracket, you know, you mentioned UConn potentially beating Kansas. It's hard for me not to pick Kansas in, into the, uh, at least the Sweet 16, Elite Eight. And as much as it pains me to say, you know, I think that they could definitely win that region. It just depends on the game that the Zags and, and the Bruins have, um, how much it takes out of them. Because I think that if they are able to dispatch UCLA quickly, you know, we'll see how how long uh, Adam Bone is out, um, if he's going to miss significant time, uh, or if he's if he's affected by the injury. Um, yeah. But the West, you know, the West might be one of those one versus three finals. Uh, I don't think you'll see may, maybe in the in the South you'll see that, but I don't see that being the case anywhere else. What is your what is your uh, Final Four look like? You said you have Duke in there. Um, I'm kind of looking at Arizona Duke and Houston Gonzaga. It's just one of those years where it's like it seems so wide open, and I really do think that there's like seven, eight, nine teams that could potentially win a title. Like it's it's just really hard to project exactly how things are going to go. I like the odds of Gonzaga to actually potentially do it this year. Homer be damned. <laughs> it's weird. Cause when I got my, when I was checking out my bracket, uh, I checked a couple different websites and it, it just said champion Kentucky and all of them. It was already just typed in. I don't know how that happens. I guess my phone knows me so well. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 as much as I wish that that could be the case for my team as well this year, there's just there's just not enough firepower for the for the uh, the boys in Lexington, and I I'm hoping you know Calipari is able to get the win. It's weird as a Kentucky fan saying that, but you have to take a step back and look at it logically. You have players that have been hurt this season. You've had uh, to expect more from players that you know might not have been you know players that were one year type players, uh, quote unquote, at the start of the season. Um, you know, severe being out, CJ missing significant time. Those are two losses that the the starting rotation needed. You know, even if Severe played in a more uh, reserved capacity and CJ was able to, you know, come in and get, even if they both got 15 minutes or something like that a game, uh, it would mean a lot to the rest of the team for them being able to, you know, rotate and balance and keep out of foul trouble. It wasn't the case this year. So I think that the way I look at it, I see it, unfortunately, as Arizona, uh, Marquette, Texas, and then I, I like your eggs out of the West. I, I think that uh, it was a two, two twos and two threes, two, two, no, three twos, three and, a twos three. and a three. Yeah. I honestly think that Kansas has the best chance to make it to the, fi- to the final four. Trust me. It, it yeah. you know, I'll have to say, I'll have to say a couple of our fathers for even thinking it, but if you look at the one seeds, I don't think any of them have a clear path to, to, to Houston. I don't think any of them do. I think that, like you said, you know, Houston being motivated by potentially having, you know, a two game home series at, at the end of the season, you know, I'm sure that will, will, will help them, but 
Bruce Pearl's teams can get hot at the, at the you know, the, the snap of a finger. And imagine, you know, you've got in Birmingham uh, an Auburn team that's clicking versus Houston who could potentially be without one of their best players. Yeah. I mean, it, it you saw what happened today with Memphis and I'm not saying, I'm not taking anything away from Memphis, but you know, they got beat by what, 15 points. I think it was the yeah. final. Yeah. Um, uh, they were, they, they were clearly uh, in need of of Sasser in in he's the point guard correct he's not yep. their shooting guard yeah, yeah so him, him him controlling the 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 pace of the game obviously was something they needed obviously I think that you know it's going to take some time and I'm going to take a day or two to look at it as well you know what do you think about the snubs you know teams didn't make it in is there anybody that you think should have been in that wasn't I think Rutgers is the only team when I'm looking at that list that I was just like huh I kind of expected them to make it in. That being said, you know, before the the end of the season run, like the Big Ten tournament and all that, um, Rutgers was probably not in. So it's not incredibly shocking, but, you know, and, and they did lose some games they probably should have won this year. So it's, it's one of those things. I, I'm always one of those people when looking at the bubble where I don't really – get too upset or been out of shape at the bubble because um, these teams were, were really pulling hairs at like, you know, the, the smallest of things between what divides the first four out, the first four in, you know, every year. I think some people, maybe mostly North Carolina fans would be shocked that the Tar Heels didn't get in, but I've not thought they were a tournament team for a while now. And them turning down the NIT is just absolutely like in my opinion it's it's one of the more like slaps in the face for their fan base that i've seen you know there are some rumors that have been floating around that maybe there's some dissent amongst their 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 players um which is why they you know struggled so much down the stretch this year and and that i guess makes some sense why they wouldn't want to continue to play this season out but uh if you're gonna get a chance to play in the nit like you should do it for your fans. Well, apparently you're not a fan of North Carolina because I look, I, I, I dislike North Carolina uh, for several reasons, uh, namely that 2017 national title game. You know, I I'm friends with a few North Carolina fans on Twitter. We, we talk occasionally, um, you know, and they're good people. I just, I have, I don't really feel bad when they fell apart in the national title game last year. Uh, against Kansas Um, I don't feel bad that they did not make the tournament this year I do feel bad for some of their fans though that they turned down the NIT so I I'll say that you know I was looking through the 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 last four out were Oklahoma State Clemson North Carolina and Rutgers Clemson has to blame the loss on Louisville Mm -hmm. or the loss to Louisville uh, (laughs) as to not making it in I think that if they had beaten Louisville I think that they had they had enough on their resume to get them in at the bubble, probably in like an 11 seed play-in game. Yeah. Um, Vanderbilt, I think, was one win away. I think that if they had beaten A&M, that they would potentially – they should have made it in. Or not should have, but could have made it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully they're able to make some noise in an NIT run. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised. You know, at one point, I think Pitt was leading the ACC – this season they were like, they were challenging for, they were tied for first or something yeah they were challenging for the uh for the title at one point but yeah, they, they I mean, really stumbled down the stretch 
Yeah. I mean, and I know that it was, I know that they, they didn't obviously finish the way they started, but it was just kind of surprising to me that they had fallen that far that quickly. But for the most part, honestly, the way I look at it, the biggest snubs are really from uh, the, the seeding and some of the, some of the teams being underseeded the way they were. I don't like, I, I didn't know enough about Rutgers to have feelings about them one way or the other. Uh, everyone's favorite household, you know, bracketologist, Joe Lenardi, you know, he got, he got all of them right, but Nevada and uh, Rutgers, he had those flipped, but guess what nerd? No one asked you. Uh, I think that. Well, it, 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 that that's kind of disingenuous this year too, because like the bubble was, was about as tame as any bubble that I can remember in recent memory. Right. Like there really wasn't a lot of controversy there with those last several team so for him to get most of those picks right like a lot of people did like it really wasn't that difficult yeah. this year but yeah I, you know in regards to pittsburgh you know they they lost four out of i believe it was seven you know that's they were 12 and 3 on february 14th and finished uh 14 and 6 in the the acc and then got 30 piece by duke in yeah. the acc tournament so it was just kind of like they backed their way into the tournament and another thing that really helped a lot of teams on the bubble this year was there just wasn't a lot of bid thieves out there you know teams that that punched their ticket in the title game that shouldn't have probably been in the tournament otherwise so teams like pittsburgh you know had uab beat fau yesterday yeah. uh then maybe pittsburgh's not in you know like th th those are the types of games that like we were watching kind of closely like huh i wonder if any bid thieves are going to win something and they just did, you know, teams like teams that would have been bid thieves, Vanderbilt, uh, I think uh, them losing when they did uh, Penn state really was, I feel like a bubble team adjacent. I think they were like the next four out before the big 10 tournament started, or maybe it was before the last week of, of the season. Yeah. And they ended up, you know, getting catching catching fire and 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 you know getting all the way to the championship game. They won eight of their last ten games um, yeah. of the season, and, and you know, obviously got all the way to the Big Ten conference title game. So it's kind of surprising to me see seeing the seeing the trajectories of these teams, seeing the way that the the way that one or two games can really affect your entire season. It, as a as a a Kentucky fan, you know, I really wish they would move the SEC tournament up one day. Uh, so it finishes on Saturday. I wish really all conference tournaments ended on Saturday uh, because there was a tweet that came out that said that the bracket was already set. Like they already had hundred uh, percent. It was done. Was done last, last night. night. Yeah. As and soon as the UCLA were, Arizona game wrapped, that was really the last piece they were looking at yeah. that determined what we were going to see. So I guess you could say that like they were waiting to see seeding for like Yale and uh, Princeton played. If Yale won, they probably have been like a 13 seed. Um, you know, if Princeton won, they were going to be like a 14 or 15, whatever, right. you know, like that kind of thing. But overall it was set last night. Yeah. And it, it just kind of, that kind of surprises me in a general sense that they would admit that I knew that that was the case because I had said before, uh, you know, Kentucky played AM a couple years ago, beat AM in the SEC championship game with Caruso and, and Daniel House, and still uh, had a lower seed um, and ended up having to play against uh, a team. You know, they, they ended up playing in, in uh, Indiana that year. The fact that they admit that that's the case, you know, there weren't any bid, steal or, uh, bid stealers available at that point. I mean, right. if, if anything, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have mid mid teams knocking each other out. Let's say that Penn State beat Purdue today. Yeah. What in your opinion is Purdue a one seed at that point? I don't think they really should have been still at that I point don't, if they lost to Penn State. 
I don't think they should have been either. And if Penn State beats Purdue, are they a 10 seed or are they it, like an eight or, you know, whatever? Yeah. Like that's that's the kind of thing. Like, in, in and I 100% agree with you that yeah. conference tournament games should be Saturday should be the last day for conference tournaments. Yeah. I realized that that people like having basketball on Selection Sunday to watch. But I feel like it's really hard for the, the committee at that point to like redo the bracket because what you're looking at is they there are so many fine details on sites like where people are going to play or seating or whatever that they have to hammer out days in advance that it just doesn't make any sense for them on Sunday to, to screw with the formula they've already set, you know. Imagine if Purdue tied the game or if uh, Penn State tied the game and they went to overtime. Yeah. You know, we're, this is the 14th anniversary of that Syracuse-UConn seven overtime game or six overtime uh-huh. game. Uh, what if that had happened yeah. today? And they're still they, playing they, basketball they, after Selection Sunday is completed. <laughs> they would have had they would have pushed Selection Sunday. They would have pushed it. You know, they would have had to. Or they would have had to just say, regardless, we think Penn State is this. Yeah. Which, again, how shitty is that that you could potentially get a – Number one, you know, knock off a number one seed. So you're telling me Penn State, who wasn't ranked and who wasn't on anybody's radars, uh, you know, beside being like an X four out, you're telling me that they could they could go on this magical run, win four straight games, and beat good teams on the way there. You know, beat beat uh, Indiana, beat Purdue, would still get a ten. Yeah. Do you think it would have been any different if Kansas had won and UCLA had won? Yeah, I do. I think, I think if Kansas if Kansas won, they would have been the number one overall seed, and okay. UCLA would have been a one seed over Purdue. Okay, that's, that's what think I think. That, but, do you think basically Purdue and, and UCLA would have swapped spots? Probably, yeah. And then Kansas getting that that one overall seed, like they end up in the Midwest, and that kind of like changes seeding and all that. Like for Gonzaga, like it, we could have very well ended up in the Midwest at that point. And while we still would have probably had Denver for the first round, then we're playing in KC against Kansas instead yeah. of Vegas against Kansas and that potential elite eight matchup. So you see, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Like that really does change the complexion that, a little bit. In that game, I mean, it, and obviously they do a really good job with the regions, uh, you know, trying to make them. Uh, attractive matchups. I mean, listen, I, I can tell you right now, you know, we we used to work right next door to the Yum Center, both of us. Mm. And when we were working there, they had an NCAA tournament regional there. And I remember like I had a parking pass underneath the Yum Center, having to park there and like leave in the morning and see just swaths of fans yeah. walking around, like being excited. They have to dr- get those draws going. Because otherwise they're not making any money. This is where the NCAA makes all their money this year. Oh yeah, so they yeah. This to, is they a have to, they have to get it right. The and tournament think, is a billion and a half dollar, you know, month long thing for the NCAA. Like this is a lot of money. Yeah, and this is in you know, they're hoping for madness. I mean, they they want to see a little bit of mayhem in there, but at the same time, they also want to see teams like Duke, Kansas, you know, your, your perennial powers. Right coming out on top because what ends up happening then is name recognition uh more more tv views and more than likely you know the, the fans are going to travel yeah Those, well yeah the uh north carolina duke in the final four last year was one of the most watched tournament games of all time so 
you know, it makes sense that they want to try to like, you know, preserve some of those legacy matchups, you know, create the biggest ratings possible. I'm oh. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting tournament. There's, you know, a lot to to look forward to here. Um, both of our teams have, you know, some sort of light at the end of the tunnel, some some hope there <laughs> that we can make hope some sort of a run. train. <laughs> yeah. Now, now let me ask you this: at the end, now obviously we'll ask this question again at the end of the season, like the, the after the ter- champion's been crowned and number nine's coming home to Lexington. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only my in, if only my NCAA two K five still worked on my uh, PlayStation, I, I would show you how many t- titles they actually have, but. Do you think, based on where the season started up till now, have they met expectations? Have they exceeded expectations, or have they underperformed? They the they season? didn't meet expectations because we were preseason top five in the country and we didn't finish in the top five. Um, I also think that anytime you have a, a potential national player of the year candidate on your roster, um, that you know the expectations were a little unrealistic uh, to start the year off. You know, we were breaking in some young players. We lost, we lost one of the best point guards in America from last year and Andrew Demhard, who, you know, I, I think, I honestly think that he may have been the most underappreciated player in the country last year, because there were a lot of Gonzaga fans who didn't care for his style of play. And they, you know, secretly, or maybe, maybe not so secretly were wishing him away and it's just like in in retrospect you watch mark few is on record as saying that andrew nemhart was one of is one of the best pick and roll guards he's ever coached mm-hmm. and mark and few, mark few has run pick and roll his entire career what does that say like you know like uh, hey, when, just, he was in, when he was in florida he hit that game winner against wisconsin that year they made the run like the kid had it in his dna and i knew when, when he signed with you guys that that it was going to be a problem i was like i mean i'm just glad he's out there you know, whenever, whenever, whenever an SEC player wants to go to Gonzaga, I'm like, thank God, thank God. We don't have to see him. We don't have to see him anymore. Like, great. Yeah. As as far as Kentucky goes, I think that uh, they 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 underwhelmed. They they did not meet expectations. But I think at the beginning of the season, even even before, um, definitely before the Bahamas, I said that this team, even with Oscar coming back, like. I kind of viewed them as maybe like a sweet 16, maybe, maybe fringe elite eight team. Um, there were some players that we really wanted to try to go after in the transfer portal that we didn't. Um, I wasn't so sure that Reeves was the answer. There were a couple of things that I, I really hoped that we would have improved on. I, I was concerned about our point guard play and I was really concerned about uh, the depth at the four uh, with both Bryce Harper and, and Keon Brooks leaving. And I think that both of them went to places where they excelled. I, I, Washington obviously has uh, not been much of a force lately, but Keon had a pretty good season out there. Um, and then, you know, obviously we're going to see how Bryce does against uh, Kentucky after having a pretty good uh, run in the Big East this season. Um, I would say that, you know, like I'll echo what you said earlier, having the national player of the year, you know, the former national player of the year on the team, um, seeing him exposed as, as a non-NBA player in real time was very disappointing. And uh, seeing that, you know, he, he's too small to play the five and he's too slow to play the floor, the four, uh, doesn't have much of a jump shot uh, and doesn't have the dynamic handles or uh, move set, you know, the, the different elements of his game to have long run in the NBA. I think he could be a great 
a plug guy, um, you know, for a couple teams. I don't see him getting drafted. I don't see him, uh, especially on the first round. Uh, and I definitely think that, you know, he could be a G League kind of contributor if he doesn't go to Europe. Yeah. But having, having him, having Kaysen Wallace, who I, you know, after the Michigan State game, I started calling him Kaysen Wallace. The entire Big Blue Nation did. I mean, the dude was a stud. Uh, seeing it not pin out that way and seeing it go to 21 and 11, it's not 9 and 16 like it was a couple of years ago. But, you know, even last season, I think we were 26 and 25 and six going into the tournament, mm-hmm. you know, lost too many games because of free throws lost way too many games because we started stalling uh, and didn't, and, you know, let the other teams catch up. But, you know, Calipari, he says, this is the time of the year. So I'm going to rock, I'm going to rock with my coach and I'm going to hope that uh, since we didn't record the day before we play a game, that it's a good omen for my team. But yeah, uh, I got, I gotta be honest with you, man. Uh, you know, this this might be a quick it might be a quick tournament for my boys. I'm not very excited about it. <laughs> that being said, let's let's be cheerful. Let's let's let's. No, I mean, for... I, I I mean, I, like I said, I still wrote him in. I still wrote him in in Sharpie, uh, yeah. in, in champion. But like I said, I, I'm being realistic. You know, I I I, I don't want to sunshine pump all the time. I want to have some oh, realism. Yeah. I hear and you. I, I definitely think that if they start making a run, I think that we're going to have some very interesting con- uh, topics to be talking about. And that's the thing. The tournament is, it's a crapshoot. So on yeah. any given night, um, both these teams could win or lose. Um, obviously the finality of losing in the tournament sucks mm-hmm. because you don't get to watch your team play again for another several months, but um, I'm sure we'll have plenty of topics to discuss as we go forward. But uh, yeah, wrapping up, I just want to, you know, shout out uh, Zag Nation, BBN, uh, appreciate all the listeners. If you can like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you can um, help pump it on Twitter for us. That'd be great. Um, Go Zags. Go Wildcats, baby.